A human being seeking fulfillment outside of themselves is like an oak tree looking for oak, or a cat trying to hear its own ears. For what you are is what you have always been seeking. You are your perfect partner, your greatest lover, your oldest, dearest, and most familiar friend. You are the one you fall asleep with every night, the one you wake up to every morning, the one who cannot leave you, the one you will eventually die with. You are the one who is never divided from yourself, the one who remains when everyone and everything else is gone. You are the fulfillment of a lifetime's search, the epic conclusion to the story of lost love and a new beginning. You cannot find the one, for you are the one, and you always have been that, long before the search even began. Rest in what you are. Jeff Foster Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Lost Traveler podcast. I'm your host, Henry Cameron Allen. And today I have a wonderful guest uh, who I've been very excited for some time to invite, uh, Linda Duong, who is the founder of Three Hearts Connection and who has written an amazing book called uh, Connection, The Currency to Happiness. Is that correct? Yes, Connection, The Currency to Happiness. I am Accept so your happiness right here, right now. Right now, exactly. <laughs> right now, well, with or without million dollars. <laughs> right now is the time because this is all we've got, right? Yes. <laughs> well, I'm really, I'm really thrilled to talk to you not only about the book but about your life and your work and what led you to this now, uh, um, because we we both have a, um, a a varied and interesting and quite unique history, don't we? Um, first of all, where were you born? I was born in Vietnam at the end of Vietnam War. So it was very minimal compared to children here in the Western world. You know, like I live in Australia. I live in Sydney, Australia. So the children here have everything. You know, they have literally everything in their fingertips. You know, if they want to know what Mongolia look like, they just get on YouTube, you know, just type it in and they see the country, they can see the food, they can hear the language, you know, they can see the scenery, everything. Whereas for me at the time, all I've seen was black and white TV, black and white photos, and I did not even know what a computer looked like. So yeah, that's how well, basic it was. We didn't even, we didn't even have, you know, it was very new, the technology. We didn't have mobile phones, we didn't have uh, laptops even, you know, we didn't have the internet. We couldn't look anything up on Google or YouTube, right? Yeah. One of the things that I remember in your book that you talked about uh, growing up uh, the way you did in Vietnam, very large family, 12 kids, is that right? 10, 10 children. Oh, 10. Oh, yes, amazing. Yes. So when you parents. say we have a long history, you were referring to your your family background as well, is that right? Yeah, well, we both, we both traveled quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but as you say, I lived in a privileged world where even in schools, we had maps and globes and things like that. I remember you referencing in your book that you didn't even, you had never seen a map or no, a globe. No, I never right? seen any, a map. Any image of the, of the world. 
No, no. So I never seen a world map. I never even seen the, the globe model. So I literally came from a really, really basic world. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing much compared to kids now. Yeah. With when right, we, I did not even have um, plastic toys. You know, didn't even have Barbie dolls. <laughs> Soils and stick was what we play with. <laughs> Maybe better. <laughs> in in some better. sense, yes, yes, because it was for creativity. That's why I'm very well, creative. Well, yeah. and also there's there's something that, that, and you also talk about this in your book, is, is connection to the natural world. That mm -hmm. I think a lot of first world kids yeah, I, I don't like using the terms first world, second world, third world, but um, you know, people that are coming from developing countries or countries that have just been ravaged by war, uh, that don't have even sometimes electricity or plumbing in their house, uh, coming from a more privileged culture in that sense that there are those conveniences, right? Yes, yes. Um, I grew up in that world. I grew up in a world where I didn't have to worry about anything. If I wanted something, I just plug in the radio or, you know, whatever. Um, what was, what was school like for you growing up? Did you, did you enjoy it? Did you like school? <laughs> what did it look like in, in, the, in uh, Vietnam at that point? Oh, no, no, school wasn't exactly like what the kids have here. So you know how you mentioned earlier about about the resources, the electricity, we actually have often black have blackouts, you know, I wouldn't have, we, we would lose the electricity. Uh, we have really restricted water usage. So now when I see water being wasted, it hurts me <laughs> because, yeah. you know, when you experience the time when those things were precious, you know, and so I always say to my children, you know, don't ever waste water because without water, you can't even grow food. And with schooling here, they are so lucky, right? The teacher invests so much time in making it fun for them to learn. Whereas for us, you'll be lucky if you get to go to school. And no, school wasn't fun for me, especially during the kindy year and the first couple of years, especially in kindy, I had a teacher who was really tall, big, with big glasses, curly, big hair, shiny belt, shiny shoes, red lipstick, like really poshy kind of looking and with a cane, you know, you probably understand back then um, to catch naughty kids. And every day I would get so scared and I would just sit in there making sure that I am a good girl so I don't get in trouble. So school wasn't that fun. And uh, also the environment, the environment was a bit unstable at the time, you know, and so we would be worried that anytime we might need to pack up and go home and be safe, that kind of thing. And so, um, no, it's not as fun as, as the kids have these days. <laughs> but well, I must you know, say, Go ahead. Pardon, pardon. Sorry, we have a bit of crossover. But I must say, my schooling isn't isn't predominantly from school. Interestingly, my schooling, my nurt, my nurturing, and my growing up was a lot from my family, my parents, and a cultural background. So it's actually a lot of that that was what allowed me to build up my bank of collective wisdom. So it wasn't exactly inside a school, but it was the continuous learning from home and from the home environment and from that, that cultural setting 
rather than the actual physical infrastructure of the school itself, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. So and it's, like it's, you, it's the yeah, real life I, lessons. Exactly. Well, and I think that people like us, there are some children who thrive in that kind of environment. They yes. want the pressure, they want the, the, uh, the stress and the tension that helps them focus, right? I was not that kid. I was a creative kid. I was a nature lover and uh, a storyteller and I was sensitive and quiet like you and mm. and I didn't experience school in a positive way. I felt that my teachers were very intimidating. Mm. I also found the pressures from uh, home as well uh, equally intimidating and, and difficult to manage and navigate as a child. And I think that I can look back now, as I'm sure you'll agree with, I can look back in gratitude at having experienced those things in my foundation years because the gifts that they gave me and the wisdom that they gave me were how to become an observer, right? What I learned was from observing and it was my alone time. Uh, that was my, my school. It was my, my turning within, finding the way that I relate to the world around me. Yes. Uh, that really gave me my best education. Yes, absolutely. Being an observer allow us to be our own self-teacher. You know, a lot of things, I mean, it, it's wonderful to have teachers in the classroom and I can't say thank you enough. You know, teachers have their place, of course, and, and children these days are lucky, right? They're really, really lucky. You know, I will be, back then we wish to have that we wish to have all of these devoted teachers you know that making lessons fun for them you know but having said that when you are embracing the lifelong learning spirit you don't get restricted to learn just from the school you get to learn outside of school at home at anywhere and so you know it's really really wonderful when you're able to just observe and learn as you go because in that way, it suits everybody. You know, whether you're an athlete or artist, you know, whether you like math only and not English, <laughs> or whether you yeah. like science and physics, you know, if you are an observer and, and embracing that character, that attitude, that way of learning, you grow tremendously. You grow so much more and it's just non-restrictive. You, you grow anytime, anywhere and it's just convenient as well you know it, and it's, it's just really versatile and it takes you to places because when you talk to people you're learning about them you're talking to different people at different settings you learn about different things and it really open up the whole door of different kinds of learning that is real life and real applicable meaningful learning rather than just a textbook yeah And we're going to take a brief pause right now to hear a word from our sponsor. Well, there's also the social learning that you get when you're in school. You learn how to relate to other children your age. You learn how to relate to adults that are not your parents, right? Yeah. That are otherwise strangers to you. So there are benefits, obviously, I think, to schooling. Um, you know, I... I often thought when I was a child that I wished I didn't have to go to school. 
because there was so much outside of school more that I was mm -hmm. learning that was practical and uh, engaging and fun yeah. than uh, than being in sitting in a classroom on a hot day with an imposing teacher telling me you know <laughs> you must do this my way you know um, but again I look back and I can appreciate all of it for the tools that it gave me in how to be but how also not to be I made some very deliberate choices as an yeah. adult yeah. Uh, based on those experiences between school and home um, that are, are counter to what I experienced and witnessed, right? So it was all there. It was all a guidebook, you know, and I, and I learned in those moments of solitude, yeah. uh, of which there were many, yeah. um, how to sort out for myself what was useful, what was not useful, uh, what felt right in my heart and what did not, you know, what was right and what was wrong on my terms. Yeah. And I think we all, that's part of the human condition, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And it's just amazing how you started this podcast for everybody to connect, to listen to each other and share the story. That's amazing. Yeah. It's important. It's important. And, uh, permission is a whole thing. And I think that when we, have the, the impulse and the courage. I do think it takes a lot of courage to bear yourself, to put yourself out there, whether it's on a stage or in a book like yours, or even on a podcast. Uh, it does take a degree of courage because we are very often taught, whether it's from home or from religion or from society, to fear what other people are going to think of you, to give great weight and measure to what other people perceive you as. But the truth is, I believe, that the way that you present yourself to the world is the way that the world perceives you. You're the one holding all the cards. You're the one yeah. with all the power, right? And it doesn't really matter what other people think of you. It's what you think of you, ultimately, yeah. that matters, doesn't it? Yeah, you refer absolutely. to this in your book. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciated that about your book as well. So, uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about your style of writing is that it's like a meditation. It gently lifts you out of yourself and takes you on this very gentle and beautiful uh, adventure. And um, what, I, what I really appreciated was that everything you weren't presenting yourself as, I am the world expert on all these things. And no, it was just really, you're, you are an expert, but you are rooted in your journey and that, you know, your biography has been the, the crucible or the birthplace of, uh, of the, the tools that you have gleaned for yourself that you're now imparting to other people. And that threads all the way through the book. And I just, I felt like I was in a beautiful boat on a river and just going down and seeing scenes from your life, right? But then at every certain stop there was a little restaurant or something and you could sort of consume a little bit of the delicious food that you got to prepare and, and on your journey and um and so all the way through I, I wouldn't say there was one chapter or one thing i i think that uh it's very very full um but i didn't finish the book feeling overstuffed i i i finished the book uh which i read in one sitting, um, I, 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 I finished the book feeling validated. I finished the book feeling um, like I knew you better. 
that I got to experience almost like a travelogue, uh, another culture that I hadn't been familiar with other than superficially. Um, I got to meet your beautiful family through your eyes and know, know how the connection to your large and beautiful family was really the foundation of, of the connection to yourself. And uh, um, what do you think, you know, if there's someone who's a listener out there who's struggling with self-love, who's struggling with those old tapes in their head, the messages that they're, you know, the more we hear something, the more we're going to believe it. Negative or positive. Right? That's right. Yes. How would you say, what would you say is a practical uh, tool that someone can use to change that tape, to eliminate the old tape and introduce a new tape? It, I think the easiest way is to recognize awareness is powerful. The very, very first step is we have to recognize. You've got to recognize that. Is this what I want? Is this the way I want to operate moving forward? How do I want it to be? Is this what I'm happy with? If you're happy with that dialogue, of course, there's nothing need to be changed, obviously, right? So right. you've got to recognize first whether you're okay with that. You've got to recognize first whether you're happy with it. Is that how you want to be from now on, here on? Not in the past. The past is of the past. The past is already what already happened. We can't go back to change the past. But That's all we can ask is now, from here onward, am I happy with the way things are working? Am I happy to continue with this way, this mode of living, with this identity of me, of who I am? So that's the very first powerful step. Once you establish that, once you have that awareness that either, yes, I'm okay to stay this way, then nothing needs to be done. Or, no, I'm not okay with this way. Then the next step is, okay, what do you want to be? Am I okay with it? No. What would you want to be and how would you like to be? So I teach three very powerful questions in the book and in all of my talks very often. It can apply to anybody, anytime, any situation, even if you're the king, the queen, or the president. First of all, you ask yourself, who am, what am I doing? Once you really know who you are, once you really know that I'm not happy with this, I want to be something else, that means you really know who you are, right? Once you really know who you are, what am I doing? Is the first question. What are you doing? Just simply ask yourself, what am I doing? Why? The next question is why? Why are you doing what you're doing? Knowing your why is so powerful. It's so, so powerful. Why are you doing what you're doing? And then the next one will take you to a whole new level, regardless of where you are. How can I do it better? How can I do it better? So the three fundamental questions you can apply anytime, anywhere, any age, any situation, any rank right. in your life. And it's the mm -hmm. three most powerful questions. If you could take away anything today, just apply these three questions regardless of where you are if you need to take a step back then ask yourself who am i who am i who are you not meaning just your skin color your hair but really the core of you your value 
What value do you hold that makes you you? So define yourself first. It doesn't mean that you know a millionaire or billionaire or, or a, a fashion designer or an artist. That is just the outside the shell. We're talking about the core of you, the inside of you. What makes you you? You know. And so once you have that identified, you will move forward so powerfully, so so powerfully. And then the next thing is just. Bear the three questions with you every day, everything you do. What am I doing? The minute you ask yourself, what am I doing? It brings you to the present moment. And we'll be right back right after this. Introducing the newest member of the Vox Life family. Rempatch with OST, optimized sleep technology, balances your REM and deep sleep stages to encourage rejuvenation of the mind and body. No drugs, no hangover, just a great night's sleep. Visit dianedinkmeyer.voxlife.com for information. That's dianedinkmeyer.voxlife.com. All Vox Life products are available in the UK, Canada, and the USA. Your generous sponsorship and individual support of the Lost Traveler podcast benefits the Lost Travelers Club, a charitable project under the fiscal sponsorship of United Charitable, a nonprofit 501c3 organization. The Lost Travelers Club focuses primarily on the needs of parents who have outlived their beloved children. We recently launched our new Brain Candy Project wing, providing art supplies to children still struggling with critical or terminal health-related conditions. We hope to raise enough funds to launch Brain Candy, an arts and literature magazine created by and for these young people. Find out more at www.braincandy.online. Thank you. You know, we have so many million thoughts in our mind throughout the day, right? We just like right. robotic moving from one task to another. I've got to pick up kids and I've got to cook and I've got to do this, I've got to do this. But if you just take a moment and say, what am I doing? Oh, I'm cooking. Okay. Why are you cooking? Who are you cooking for? Just for myself, just for my family? Because if it's just for myself, I can do everything that I like. I don't have to care who else don't like it because it's just for myself. <laughs> But if it's for the whole family, I've got to be considerate who likes what and who has allergy and whatnot. If it's for a guest or a party, can you see how if you just bring yourself to the present moment rather than you just go, 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 and then go, oh, I forgot that and I forgot that because you're absent-minded. So what are you doing will bring you in the present moment here and now powerfully. And once you're in that powerful stance of why, why am I doing this? Because you know, we have people go through lives that, you know, I thought I won that. And they work so hard for that goal, right? Because they forget their value. They haven't identified their value. They thought that if I go for the corporate job, that's what's going to make me feel good. Right? They work, work, work so hard to the corporate level after so many years of exhaust, exhaustion. And then they realize, is this really what I want? What am I doing? What am I doing? And then they realize this is actually not what I want, you know, and then they go into a defeating mode. 
was right at the beginning. If anybody's listening and you can restart this anytime if you feel like your life needs to restart. Anywhere, any age, it doesn't matter. It's asking yourself, who am I? What value do I hold? What makes me me? What brings me joy? What makes me feel sad and hurt? Once you identify that core of you inside your heart and soul, not just your flesh and your outlook, but inside of you, what makes you and you in your heart and soul, then everywhere you go, everything you do, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And how can I do it better? Absolutely. If you apply these three questions, including the, the bonus one of identifying yourself, you're already winning. You're already operating from a powerful stance and you're already yeah. a powerful powerhouse. There's nothing's going to stop you if you could apply and that all the time. You're already a master. You're already <laughs> a master. When you have those three things, you're already a master. And it doesn't, you, like you say, it doesn't matter what age. Actually, it's, it's, it's so good. I'm smiling here because <laughs> it's so good to hear this outside of my own head. <laughs> Because this is precisely what I've been teaching in not only my, my coaching work, my life skills mentoring, but in my theater work. I do uh, a lot of playwriting workshops with very young children, sometimes as young as four and five years old. And mm. I teach them this concept. Mm. Who is the character? What do they want? How do they go about getting it? When you have these three things, that is the beginning of everything to be able to tell the story, to create a story, yeah. right? Mm. And it could be a fictitious character, mm. but hopefully what these children are learning mm. is that you can also apply this to your own story yeah. and to your own self yeah. and to put you in the driver's seat of your life, mm. right? To know who you are, mm. to know what you're doing and yeah. why, and then how to get what you want, right? To get start on that journey, you're writing your own story all yeah. from the beginning. And so to be able to teach these things from the early childhood onward, and some of us don't get it in early childhood. We don't get it at home. We don't get it at school, certainly, right? But, but it's never too late. You could yeah. be 90 years old. Right? And that's why, and so, that's why all of my work is self-empowerment and it, yeah. it, it focuses on self-leadership. Because when you can lead yourself, you can lead others better. When you can lead yourself, you can be a better parent to lead your children. You can lead your community. You can lead your country very differently than leading from the egocentric self. When you lead from your heart and soul, right? Yeah. Knowing your why all the time, you lead completely differently. And that's mm -hmm. also when, when you ask those three questions, how can I do it better? that's when you really become the captain of your ship. You know, that's when you really are in a position to lead your own life and create your own destiny. And that's also what has allowed me to achieve every single dream I have in my life so far. So far. So far. <laughs> More, to so come. More to More come. More to come. More to you come. You know, and I think... I think this also addresses the spiritual part of our humanity, you know, um, in the religions, the world religions that I'm aware of, mm. this model is also presented as a description of the creative force of the universe, right? What people would mm. call God, right? Or Buddha, whatever. Mm. And so I think that it's really important to 
reflect upon uh, how this affects your spiritual path. I think no matter what uh, religion or spiritual uh, uh, doctrine that, that we learn growing up, mm-hmm. right? Every one of them seems to say the same essential message mm-hmm. that we are, call it created in God's image or that we are a reflection of the divine, mm-hmm. right? Which means that we are imbued with all of those same qualities mm-hmm as the creative force of the universe. So who are we not to be creative forces for our own lives and for the, the, the betterment of the world? I yeah. think we're at a very pivotal time right now in world history, in every country all around the world, right? We are given now an opportunity to find solitude and for some more than others, a degree of isolation. It's almost like going into the, the way they did in ancient times, like a, a hermit would go to the top of a mountain or, or into a cave, you know, and just, just be quiet and, and reflective and engage with all of the, the wisdom of the universe. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. And they emerge from that solitude with certainly more wisdom than they went in with. <laughs> yeah. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Has that been your experience too? Yes, so so this ever since this pandemic happened, it really brings me back to the way of life in terms of the speed. Brings me back to when I was like in Vietnam, because back then we didn't have technology, so it wasn't at such a fast pace speed. You know, it was a lot slower, and life has balanced. And so this is exactly what it's leading me back to. So when people say, oh, this is the unprecedented time or this is something new in the history, to me it isn't. And I know it sounds crazy and I know I don't look that old, but sometimes I feel like I come from the ancient dinosaur world (laughs) (laughs) where I live through different generations because back then really it, it, it was just really basic and there's no technology. It's just humanly connection. That was exactly what it was. But then somehow life has traveled forward and we all improving each day and the world has become better. But it seems as yeah. if we travel a bit too fast and now we've been reminded to slow down a little bit. And and so How do you feel with that as a parent, watching your children? How old are your kids? My son is fifteen years old and my daughter is twelve years old. So how are you imparting this balance to them? as a parent, because I know it can feel very overwhelming to parents, especially of, of teens and preteens, yeah. uh, with so much technology, so much from video games to uh, TikTok to uh, Instagram. I mean, it's all in the machine, yeah. isn't it? Twenty-first century life skills warrant twenty-first century education. Every human being is born into a classroom, each of us given the same homework, the same core assignments. Personal care skills, emotional literacy, financial literacy, environmental literacy. These and other essential life skills are unique, learned and used by each of us every day of our lives. Indeed, they are the common thread in our humanity, core to individuals and the communities they construct, surviving and thriving. Raising the bar on life skills education for all. This is the mission of Parenting 2.0.
Visit www.parenting2pt0.org for more information. And, and, and especially now with, with the, the pandemic, um, those in-person connections uh, are fewer. And how do you bridge that gap with, uh, with your kids in this day? With children, um, how do I do it? It doesn't just start now. It started since the day they were born. Because obviously I have that in me myself. That's the value I hold. So then therefore, as soon as they were born, they were, they were baby. Balance is the one main um, value that I hold. Right, that feel core value. That's one of the feel core value. In fact, that is one of the most important one. And so we, I have already instilled in them as they were growing up. So it's not just now. So we would have days like, you know, we would have outgoing days and we would have home days. And when it's home days, it's really home day and we value it. And we don't just sit there, just sit in front of TV. Right. We would still do engaging activity so that they still feel enjoyment at home, so that they still enjoy being at home and not craving to be outside. And having said that, this might sound quite unusual, is that they actually crave home time. So we have, we have established, you know, outing days and hometown days. And when it's home days, we do really meaningful activities when they were little, that they loved it so much that, you know, every now and then when we have too many outings, you know how it's like some period of your year, like Christmas and other times that there's a lot of outings, they would actually crave home time because they, they recognize that balance. They recognize the goodness, that feeling of how it's like to be a bit more quiet and have that balance and have that quality engagement, to have that quality connection time at home with each other and with themselves even, you know, to nurture their own connection and engagement in a quiet way. So they actually as, crave that. As they're coming into themselves as uh, adolescents, mm -hmm. um, do you find that there's any pushback as, as they're Not at all. Not at all. It's still, it's still quite similar. They still have this balance of wanting to stay home. And of course, that now that my son's 15, he does want to go out with his friends into the city, right? So there are those times, but still they, they do value their home time. So there's still very good balance. And of course, by this age, he, he used computer more than when he was little as well. But still there's this constant message that they do know that they need to be balanced. And so for somebody who needs to start right now is that as parents, we can't avoid it, but to have to model it ourselves. We have to model it ourselves in order for the children to come on board to be on the same journey with us. Or it would be finding ways, finding ways to break that pattern and to introduce a new way of life, but not to view it as a problem. If you view it as a problem to fix, it will be more challenging. But if you view your situation as I'm going to introduce something new and make it more enthusiastic about it, make it like, you know, um, passionate about the introducing the new, the new style, connecting the new way of staying home, the new, whatever you call it, new way of life, essentially. But you, you make it something like an activity that you're going to introduce and you invite them on board. So when I do parenting coaching, 
it's very practical, very practical strategy that we use that, that can apply straight away. So I started as a parenting coach and then slowly it extends to business mind coaching because you know the moms will have the business and we extend it. Yeah. And then when people found out my about my book, when they found out that I came to Sydney, Australia without a word of English. <laughs> so then Amazing. I help I help writers. And when they found out that I was really shy when, when I was little, I still am shy by nature, but somehow now I speak to like hundreds of people around the world and I've been on shows that has more than a million viewers. So then I got speakers come to me as well. And then I got change makers and then I got CEOs and leaders. And so now I'm leading three hearts ambassadors. So I kept extending, but you will see the theme is the same. The theme yeah. is self leadership. It's how we lead ourselves because if you could lead yourself well, it doesn't matter what situation, what circumstances, you still be able to lead yourself. You still have that groundedness to lead yourself. And so, so for someone to answer your question, what a long way to come back to the question is that if you want to, to reestablish balance in your life and in your children's life, don't think that there's a problem and you have to fix if you see it as a problem to fix, often the challenge, the resistance will be stronger and bigger. But if you see it as in something new, it's like taking on a new project, a new way of life, a new activity, a new something, it brings about enthusiasm. It brings about new passion. And then you can inspire other people to come along. And you so, can find the common ground even in your family, right? Yeah, you yeah. can find, you can get to know your children on a completely different level when you have that discussion around the dinner table or whatever, saying, you know, what kinds of things do you like? Oh, I like that too. Or let me tell you a story about when I was your age, you know, yeah. things like that. Those conversations are so valuable. I always teach that, um, you know, when you fall into a habit, and I think this is part of the problem that we see in modern day world. Yeah. is that is that families will fall into a habit very often i'll have clients that say well that's how i was raised mm -hmm. yes yeah, so establishing yeah, I, a, I, I, <laughs> yes establishing healthy habit is so important and that's why but there are also a lot of unhealthy habits and so yeah. what i say well yeah. well the best way to break an unhealthy habit yeah. is to simply learn a new behavior Yes, you learn a new one to replace the new, the old one, yes. Effortlessly, Yes. the old falls away. The thing yes. that you don't want anymore will fall away if you replace it with something else, yes. you know? And it's just the act of learning and being, as you say, open-minded, yes. right? And, yes. and welcoming and curious, yes. right? <laughs> let's, let's keep engaging that, let's keep talking. Because we are the models for our young people to look up to. We yes. can be. Yes. But we absolutely. have to master those three things first in ourselves. Yes. Right? Yes. We can do that. Yes. Um, when I uh, come to the end of a, of a great conversation, I always ask my guests to reflect on three things that they would like our listeners to draw from this conversation, mm -hmm. uh, to reflect on uh, in themselves. What are, what are three things, thinking back, um, that you like people to, to walk away with? I think the most, the most valuable thing I, I find that, that I um, find that helps me and also help my audiences, it's still those three questions. 
you know, first of all, identify yourself, re-establish re yourself. If, you, if you've been lost, this is a lost travelers club. <laughs> if you have been mm -hmm. lost a little bit, find yourself again, re-establish yourself, know yourself, know who you are. And then really just apply those three questions powerfully. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? And how can I do it better? I think if you could take this as a mini so-called coaching session, that will be your most valuable, powerful coaching moments if you, if you just apply those. And really, it doesn't matter what age you are, what situations you are, wherever you are in the world, you could still use that. That would be Absolutely. what I say. Yes. <laughs> well, and so many of these things you talk about in your book, the currency to happiness, uh, access your happiness right here, right now. Exactly. I think, uh, you know, I, wa I will put a link to the book on Amazon in the description of this podcast, uh, as well as a link to Linda's website. Uh, if you would like to engage with her more personally, directly, you can go to that link if you would like to, and I hope you do purchase the book, um, then please do that as well. Uh, I know that a portion of the proceeds of the book go to support charity uh, as well. So it's, uh, it's touching many people, uh, just the simple act of, of the purchase of a, of a powerful book um, will, uh, will benefit not only yourself, but many others as well. Thank you so much, Linda, for being here and for spending this time with me and sharing your wisdom. And I hope to do it again very soon. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Henry. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Okay. You've been listening to The Lost Traveler with Henry Cameron Allen. For more information, please visit www.henryallen.org. Thanks so much for tuning in, and let's all keep striving for a better world. Thank you.